I am all for the idea of giving people a way to indicate when they want to take rest days, but programming it in a way that would align with the algorithm and like what you're doing, the information you're putting in, it's tough because there's so much outside of your training. The moment we say this is when you should rest, that suddenly takes all of the impetus off of the user. You need to be mindful. That was the voice of JP, one of the personal trainers from FitBod. And we're back again today with him and Jesse, and we're answering your questions. Yeah, we're going to cover a range of topics today. We're going to start out with deloading and how it applies to rest and recovery. We're also going to be talking about DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. And that's the pain that you feel after a pretty intense workout the day or two afterwards. We're going to talk about how to deal with that. And then we're also going to touch on warming up for compound lifts and how we can use dynamic movement to really prepare our bodies for those things that we want to do with our compound lifts. Such a great question and answer session with the trainers at FitBod. We hope that you'll feel better informed after listening to this episode. Enjoy. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We're back with another episode of Ask a Trainer with Jesse and JP from the FitBod team. Hey, thanks for having us again. I'm glad we did well enough on our last performance to warrant a second coming. I'd say really well. The episode was really great. And thanks for being in the moment and taking those questions. We've got some more to cover today. Of course, as always, we're with Gio and Jonica. So let's get right into it. Jonica, you want to take the first question? We have a question from Nick Davies, and it's a two-part question. He wants to know a little bit more about deloading. How often strategies to use and how to program it into the app. And the second part of his question is he wants to know the best way to warm up for major compound lifts. So there's a couple of themes there that we want to touch on. So the first one being deloading. A lot of people on the page like to ask if that's something that's programmed into the app. Can you guys maybe clarify a little bit of that? Is that something that FitBod programs into its recommended suggestions for our users? First off, what deloading is, is basically you're giving yourself a break. It's a time to give yourself a little bit more recovery, heal from any nagging injuries, things like that. And the truth is not everyone needs to deload. If your volume and your intensity isn't that high, if you're not at that competitive level, you might not need to. You can totally sustain workouts indefinitely. But if you need the deload, then it's important to take one. And it can present itself differently. I think the standard is about 40 to 50% of your one rep max. So in terms of how that's going to translate to what you're doing in the app, what you want to adjust, I would say you want to take about 20% off, give or take of the weight that you're doing, and then keep the reps about the same. It should be an easier workout, should give you a little bit more time to recover while still getting a little bit of work done. You're not just skipping the gym for a week. Yeah. And that's what deloading is. I think the tack on that, the user's asking like, how does FitBod incorporate this or can I incorporate this in FitBod? And to take it back to what the algorithm programs, the algorithm programs for what's called nonlinear periodization, which means you're going to get some deloading already incorporated into your given workout, especially based off your fitness goals. So the app, the way it works, we got to this level. Now we're going to get to this level next time we work this muscle group out or this specific exercise. As you've seen with the workouts that FitBot does project for you and give you, some days you're going to have four reps at 80% and some days you're going to have six reps at 70%. And that's essentially how FitBod automatically gives you that deloading period. The way to manually program that, JP, I think if you were going to do this, to go back to your method, to the original deloading method, which is used in standard training methods, then you're going to have to essentially 
take those numbers that JP gave someone. What was the JP recommend that 60% of one rep max and essentially just overwrite those values into those exercises? I think the way that I like to explain it to people and the way that I like to think about it is that our bodies are not machines. If we could just go in a straight trajectory, continually climbing week after week, workout after workout, I think that would be really easy for us. But there is this zigzagging and this jogging that we need to allow for. I think a lot of times when the app recommends things, you will see that differentiation between the number of reps that it's recommending and the weight that it's recommending. And it does have this jogging nature to it. I guess maybe I would like to ask you guys, when do you think people should be taking a deload week? What are some of the signs and things that they should be looking for to indicate that they maybe need to be backing off a little bit for a while? Definitely. And I think this plays into what Jesse was talking about with the nonlinear stuff as well. A big thing with nonlinear training is that you're getting that variety. You're not hitting the body the same way every day over and over and over again. You're getting that variety. So it's experiencing different things and can recover in different ways from different things. Higher intensity workouts, lower reps, higher weight is going to be a different strain on the body than lower weights, higher reps, and getting that high volume. So having the variety helps you not need to deload as much because you're not hitting yourself the same way every time. And I think the way most people think about deloading is going to be that linear model where it's you finish your hypertrophy phase, you deload, then go into your strength phase. And with nonlinear, you don't have that as much. There's not that strict kind of cutoff point. You're doing a little bit of everything all the time. So when you're doing nonlinear stuff, the big thing you're looking for is one, your rate of progress. If that starts to slow, I always recommend starting with a deload because that's a good thing just to nip in the bud. There's plenty of other reasons why you might not be seeing progress, but we want to make sure it's not overtraining because that's an easy thing to address. More time to rest, that's an easy fix. So that's always where I start if you're not seeing the progress you want. The next thing is your recovery. If you're not able to recover, then taking a little bit of extra time to get that recovery and when you need it. And it really is case-by-case basis. It could be because you got sick last week. It could be because your diet's been bad. It could be any reason why you're not able to recover the way you could, but that's a good time to take a deload. Take a little bit of the pressure off yourself, still get into the gym, still work, get the heart rate moving, but you don't need to go as hard as if you're trying to make progress. So it's really case by case and you got to know your body, listen to your body. There are some cases where it's not necessarily a deloading phase. It could just be a deloading single workout. You're experiencing extreme fatigue or extreme malaise. You want to get in the gym, you feel like your muscles are recovered, but you just don't have it. And it's totally okay to take that as a deloading day to almost kickstart your body into going, oh yeah, this is what it's like to train. This is what it's like to get movement. And then that next day you're back at it. That could be another case where it's just like, hey, you might need a rest day. But if you are feeling like you are rested, it's just, you're not feeling it. It's totally okay. The app, as we said in the last one, it's a recommendation. It's definitely a recommendation and it's not a person. You have to give it that personal kind of attachment and personal functionality by letting it know by changing things, how your body is feeling on that day. I thought I heard you, Jesse, say that the app will build in deload cycles, right? It does build it in the nonlinear periodization functionality of the algorithm. That's great to know. I think that's really intelligent. I would love for, I know this isn't a request for updates into the app, but I'd love to see that indicated. If it's offering me up exercises that are in a deload cycle, it'd be great for it to actually label it as such and maybe even yeah. give the users the ability to opt in or out of that. One of the things that came up this past week at our offsite, one of the big 
things that we want to do with the algorithm is have algorithm transparency. What's coming up with some releases, and I don't want to get into the technicalities of it because that's not my forte. <laughs> that's for the geniuses behind the app, really. What's going to happen as we move to this new, it's called a server-side algorithm, is we're going to have the ability to, A, be extremely specific. And essentially, what we're trying to do is give you the best workout that your body can possibly receive based off the data you've given it. And it's going to be even more fine-tuned. But one of the other things we're looking to be able to give people is a little bit more insight to how the algorithm actually works. So these questions are answered right in front of the user and that they know why the algorithm is giving them a certain amount of weight, a certain amount of reps, a sets. That's something that we're looking to release here soon, but it's all going to start with this kind of transfer to this new server-side database. So can I just clarify something there? Because I think often people think of a deloading as a cycle. And I don't think you're saying that FitBod, that it programs a cycle for people where they're going to be in a continual period of deloading. I think you're talking about those jogs within that climb up. It's a workout here or there that it kind of drops down that weight expectation and maybe ups the reps. And it's not a whole cycle that it programs for them. Is that correct? Yeah, it's not so much like a deload period as it is just that nonlinear model. Yeah. And the benefit you get from that is almost like in place of deloading, but it can go either way, depending on how you view deloading. It can be pretty strict, but at the same time, anything that's giving you a little bit of extra time to recover, I think is going to essentially serve the same purpose as a deload. It might not be a whole phase or a week or something like that, but yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that clarification. And then as it relates to, to rest days, do you see anything coming down the pike in terms of incorporating rest days? Today, FitBod does not offer up a blank. It doesn't give you a rest day. Any plans to do that? I can talk about why FitBod does the functionality that it currently does. Now, JP might have a little bit more insight as to if naturally built-in rest days are coming down the pipeline. But the reason being that FitBod always gives you a workout when you open the app is because that it was a customer calling point. That was something, hey, I want to work out again. If this app is supposedly training my fresh muscle groups only, I should technically be able to work out every day. That was something where we just want to put it in the people's hands originally. That way they didn't open their app and nothing was given. So JP, any insight as to built-in rest days coming down the pipeline? I am all for the idea of giving people a way to indicate when they want to take rest days, but programming it in a way that would align with the algorithm and like what you're doing, the information you're putting in, it's tough because there's mm -hmm. so much outside of your training and the information that we can see and make decisions based on that's going to affect your ability to recover. The moment we say this is when you should rest, that suddenly takes all of the impetus off of the user. You need to be mindful. Like we can help you so much. We can tell you what exercises to do, a weight that's appropriate for you. But at the end of the day, you need to listen to your body. If you go in and you're like, man, my shoulder hurts really bad every time I do this exercise and you keep doing it. At some point, you got to ask yourself, how much are you giving over of like your personal control? You have to be mindful. And if you know when you need to take a rest day, you should always be mindful and you should always be second guessing yourself. I go into the gym and there's plenty of times I get three exercises in and I'm like, nope, not today. I'm not feeling it. I need some rest. Go home and relax. I think rest days are such an individual thing, aren't they? It really comes down to how well your body is able to recover. And there's so many factors and things that influence that, 
that I think that would be nearly impossible, honestly, for an algorithm to predict. And I know that I don't think I want it telling me when I need to take a rest day. <laughs> I want to work out when I want to work out. So <laughs> yeah, that's the two camps of where we're at in fitness right now. There's more than way more than two. There's a camp where they're used to the static Monday, do this, Tuesday, do that, Wednesday, do this, split, and then may rest. And then there's the camp who is now listening to program, listening to app automation. And one kind of understands it better, the concept of taking their own rest day, whereas another camp, which is a little bit more how it formula and always has been of, no, no, I need to take a rest day today. If you train properly and you give your muscle groups time to recover, you, you definitely should, but not saying you have to. There's ways around it. And then as JP said in the end, you ultimately have to listen to your body to know when to take that rest day and tell the app, not today. I love that. I just wanted to tack onto that. I like what you said. I like to work out until I need a rest day. And sometimes that's 14 days. Sometimes that's even more. And I love the flexibility that you get with the FitBot app and that you can take control of that. If it were to automatically on a regular basis, speed up a rest day, I don't think I'd like it. I'd like that to be an option at some point if somebody wants to incorporate that. Going back to the linear progression of the app, there are days where it gives you a max effort. A couple of days ago, I was doing easy curl and then I was doing hammer curls after that. At what point should you rate the max effort? Or does the app take into account that I just killed it on the easy curl? And then it's asking me for max effort on the hammer curl. How does it play with that? I do know there's a chance for any exercise to be max effort. It's like one in five or something. Assuming you haven't had a max effort day in a while, but I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but there's some random chance involved into when you're going to see those max efforts. So a lot of our listeners have questions about the one rep max calculation that sometimes gets thrown to us when we're doing a workout, it will come up and it will say to go for your best effort on the last two sets of any given lift. Can you explain to our users a little bit about what this is, how the app is calculating our one rep max based off of those numbers? The thing with one rep max is it's how much weight you can lift for one and only one rep. So the most amount of weight you could physically move with a given movement. And the way we do max effort is we don't actually have you perform that attempt. A lot of times when you have a max effort attempt in a gym, it's going to be one rep at the weight that you're trying to hit. What we do is we take that formula and we do it in reverse. Rather than taking your one rep max that you've performed, breaking that down into 70% and giving you X number of reps of that one rep max, we go the other way. We know you did 10 reps at this weight. Therefore, your one rep max is this. And that's the number that changes. And when you're hitting that max effort day, that's the number that needs to move is that end equation point, that one rep max that we're estimating based on what you've done with higher rep exercises. So the algorithm isn't able to calculate how we're feeling as we go into that. It pops up. It asks you to perform this every so often. So there's no way for it to really know how we're feeling that day or what kind of recovery point we're at. I think users need to make sure that they're taking that with a grain of salt. Some days you feel like you have it and you go for it. And some days it's nice for the app to ask us to do that because I think sometimes we don't push ourselves on our own without that prompting. But there's no way for it really to know how we're feeling on any given day, correct? Right. And that's the point is we don't want to get your best performance of all time ever. We want to get that baseline of where are you right now with this exercise? And that sets you up moving forward for the next however long until you get to the next max effort day. 
So we're not looking for that competitive, this is the best performance you're ever going to do. You prepared for it for three days and you know, did everything right. We want to know what are you doing today? What's the best you can do right now at your current state, your current conditioning, everything. And then we can make informed decisions moving forward from that because you're not always going to be at your best. Can I follow up with that? If you are experiencing then a period where maybe you're injured and so it's asking you for a max effort and it's way lower than what your one rep max might be, does it adjust negatively to bring those numbers back down or does it only look for the positive to move you further ahead? It will move down as well. If you start having decreases in strength and there's plenty of reasons why injury is a big one. That's Mm -hmm. a very fast reason you can lose a lot of strength. But it could just be a shift in goals. Maybe you went from strength training to suddenly you have a big cardio goal. You want to go run a marathon. That might be a reason why you might see decreases in that. And we still want to know that. We still want to know what you're currently capable of, even if your strength is going down for a number of reasons. And that just lets us make informed recommendations. I love that. I think our users are really going to be excited about realizing that it does make that shift because injury is something that people often talk about how to maybe get that to be indicated in the app and how the app kind of accounts for injury. So it's nice to know that it is following your progress, even as maybe we have those decreases and adjusting its recommendations accordingly. To follow up on max effort in the app, a lot of people do not know that you can touch literally and almost every field in the app and something will pop up. Max effort, when you see that day at the very top of that list, there is an ellipsis symbol right by it, press it, and you'll be able to, to kick that out of max effort day if you're just not feeling it, and it'll just go back to your normal kind of projection sets. Oh, that's really interesting. I actually did not know that. I didn't understand that that was an option. So it's good to know. Thanks for sharing that. And I love what's been added recently, which is a checkpoint. and It checks in on your strength. Like, how was that? Was it hard or was it easy? And there's a range in between. So I love that. And I want to ask about the ability of the FitBod app users to trust what's there. I trust it most of the time. But there's these times when I'll be benching and out of the blue, I'll get a 1,450 pound recommendation. (laughs) In AI, we refer to these as hallucinations. I'm wondering if you can shed some light on some of these hallucinations. I can definitely get there just based off previous experience with the app and what I see from from customers and how to get them a fix. Typically, that's caused because at one point there was an errant finger press in that past exercise or a similar exercise. If you're on inclined bench and you maybe were doing bench at one point and instead of hitting 12 reps, you put 25 or instead of hitting... 250 pounds, you put 2,500 pounds just on accident. And it just happened for one set. You didn't notice it and you kept logging it and you just went on your day. And to get through that, there's a way to correct that mistake. And it's actually pretty apparent when you go and dive deeper into the exercise history. So what you want to do is you search for that exercise or you go to that workout that you just logged and then you scroll down to that exercise. You go into that exercise And at the very bottom of that, you'll have some options that say exercise history is one of them. You'll have two tabs that come up. One on the left is going to be a trend tab. It's going to have graphs to show muscle strength and strength scores. And then on the right, you'll see results. And results is a very clear cut. I'm looking at mine. It says 10 by 40 rep pounds, 10 by 40 pounds. And if I scroll down, you can definitely just pick out the errant one. And right there on that screen, you can tap into it, edit it and then back out and everything should be corrected back to normal. And you shouldn't get that 
whatever it was, a 1,450-pound dumbbell bench press or whatever that was. Yeah, that's great to know. So I think our users will really appreciate being able to go back and edit those. And I guess that's one of those things where it really could be user error. So great to know. Yeah, we usually do have notifications if something's that big off of your app. I've seen somewhere it's, oh, this is way higher than your normal rate. Are you sure you want to log this? And so, yeah, I do because I'm swole right now. <laughs> <laughs> so should we maybe dive into the second part of that question? The second part of Nick's question is asking us about warm up for compound lifts. And I know that I have my own personal take on how I go about doing this, but I'm curious what you guys would recommend for people as warm up for compound lifting. Yeah, so that really is going to come down to what the compound exercises are in terms of specifics for warmups. I'm a big fan of dynamic warmups in the warmup and static stretching at the end. I don't like doing static stretching beforehand. It can ruin your performance. Not ruin it, but you might lose five pounds or something like that on a heavy lift. So I leave that for the end. Foam rolling is fine beforehand. Primers, let's say you're going to do bench press. That's the compound lift we're talking about. Push-ups or something could be a good one to do. Not to fatigue, but 10 push-ups. Just get that muscle moving. And that's a good way. And you want to do something that's going to target the same muscle group and ideally in a similar movement pattern. It doesn't need to be exactly the same, but you want to get your body going. Layup lines, so to say. Jesse, do you have any thoughts to add on that? I'm similar. Foam rollers beforehand, instead of stretching, it's stretching afterward. But foam rollers are great. Some dynamic movements, if you're dealing with any kind of explosive exercise, are great to get the body going for any kind of compound lifts. But yeah, those are my go-tos. I'm similar. I love to look at the compound exercises that I'm going to be incorporating. I love to break that down into lesser loaded and maybe like lesser versions of that lift. Today I was doing push. I did some dumbbell squeeze press. I did some push-ups. I did some handstand holds against the wall just to like prime all of those muscle groups with kind of that dynamic movement that you're talking about in order to prime me to be able to go into those big compound lifts and have those joints and those muscles have gone through that similar range of motion without that same uh, degree of loading. That's how I break that down. Great. So we have another question from Gregory Davidson. Gregory says, in doing 75 hard, I do two 45-minute workouts a day, every day. What's the best way to maximize training? He goes on to say, generally, I do PPL in the morning, push-pull lower body, with cardio in the afternoon, but would be doing two times push, two times pull, and two times lower body, would that be too much? Yeah. So I think what Greg's asking is, hey, is it okay to do two pushes, two pulls, two legs in different days to complete the 75 hard challenge for his 45-minute workouts? Because the 75 hard challenge has two 45-minute workouts per day, correct? Right. And something outside. A gallon of water and uh, progress pictures and things like that. I'm, I'm going to let JP take this one because I think he has some good insight on splitting up workouts and where to go from there. But before I go, I will say, hey, Greg, he's one of our FitBod for Teams members, which is one of our corporate initiatives and corporate programs. Greg Davison over at Life Church. Good to hear from you, man. But yeah, JP, go ahead and give him the answer to that question there. For the push-pull lower, that's totally fine. That split's designed to be done upwards of six days a week. You could even push it to seven if you wanted to, but I like having that extra rest day and it fits nicer in a week to have six. So that's totally fine. In general, it takes about 48 to 72 hours to fully recover. And PPL gives you that almost exactly. You'll have plenty of time to rest in between workouts and you'll always have time to recover generally, assuming there's not overtraining going on. In terms of the cardio, you can absolutely work that in. It's just going to depend whether or not you're able to recover from 
the intensity and the volume that you're putting in. The biggest issue I can see with a split like that is the lower body day and the cardio because cardio tends to be very lower body focused. You should still be all right because weightlifting is going to be a lot higher intensity than like a steady state cardio. But if you're doing sprints or anything like that, it could be a different story. So it's really going to come down to what you're able to recover from. So a 90 minute workout is pretty standard for a lot of people and splitting it up two times a day, totally fine. But if you're not able to recover from that, if you don't have the conditioning to support that, it's not going to work well for you. There's so many depends in this question, don't you think? There's so many, like it depends on kind of what level you're starting at. And it depends on the intensity of each of those workouts that you're completing. So I think, again, like anything, you you need to know yourself and you need to read your body. So you need to gauge those intensities such that you're able to complete this goal that you have to complete the 75 hard. But you're able, like you said, to recover between each of those. Because if we don't have that recovery, we're not going to see that benefit. So if our bodies are constantly struggling to recover from everything we're putting them through, the recovery is where the growth happens and where the change happens. The exercise is actually the stressor and the breakdown of what we're doing. So in order to see that benefit, you need to gauge those intensities such that your conditioning level is able to recover in between those things. Yeah. And I would imagine with the cardio side of that workout, which I know must be done outside, that it's going to either be something along the lines of running, walking, maybe biking, could be hiking. Yeah, as we've all touched on this, they're just probably not going to be nearly as intense. They would likely be the only things that are affecting that L on the split, but just be mindful of it. If you find yourself in complete atrophy, maybe take a little bit, <laughs> take a little bit off it. But yeah, Greg is he's one of our most loyal users and he's been making some serious gains and he has his old combat making some serious gains. So I think he's going to be just fine. I do that almost every day. I work out with the weights early in the morning, 5.30, and I take a 45-minute walk sometime in the afternoon. So by giving myself enough rest time in between the workouts, and I've been doing that for now 91-plus weeks. So my recommendation is just give yourself enough time in between that, and you should be just fine because I've been doing it for 91 plus weeks. The converse side of that is I like to think that I'm in pretty good shape, but I recently have started to add stair sprints into my training. And I started that last week. And oh my goodness, it took me a full week <laughs> to recover from those stair sprints. Like we're talking like 170 plus stairs and doing them 10 times up and down. I could barely walk for days and I do like to consider myself in pretty good shape. So I had to wait a full week. The next time that I was able to hit that workout was yesterday morning and my body dictated. My body told me that I needed to allow it to recover in that time period. So I think we need to listen to our bodies and judge that intensity. Yeah. Anytime you introduce a new movement, especially stair sprints, yours is on the far end of the spectrum, the very high end of the spectrum. I give you an example where I hadn't used the elliptical machine in like two years. JP's laughing. And like the next day I was like, oh my gosh, was that a leg day? It was. These doms are insane. <laughs> and I was just like, what is going on right now? I remember just like, what I did a lift. I was like, no way. Elliptical? It helped so me I- to relate to my clients so much better. Like I went in just shameful <laughs> and like the, telling them like, I know how you feel. Like we have stairs in the gym that I would take them up and down. And it was like, we gingerly walked down <laughs> those stairs after those next two days after that workout. So it helped me to remember what doms feel like. Yeah, for sure. What I was going to mention earlier, going along, you talked about you like doing dynamic stretching before and then static stretching after. 
how often do you recommend that after every workout session, every other day, once a week? Because people have different philosophies on that. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I think the biggest thing is how much is mobility and flexibility important to you? So if it's a limiting factor and you're really interested in moving big weight, it might be really important to get that in every single time. If it's not, if you're getting the workout you want and you don't really care if you're flexible or mobile, then you don't need to do it nearly as often. You can treat it as a band-aid to address problems or a tight muscle here or there. Be as needed or just how much it matters to you. In terms of what's going to be the best, you should work it in as often as possible. I think after every workout is a good idea. Jesse, JP, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. We had some great discussion. I learned a lot and I truly appreciate you taking time out of your week to answer questions from the community. Before we wrap, have you gotten any questions from the community from the back channel? It's built into the app. There's a way that you can ask a trainer. Have you received any questions that you might want to raise? One that we get quite often, pre and post sale recommendations within the app. And JP, you actually were able to work on a program that we implemented into our blog that users can actually access within the app. It's not a mode specifically, but JP, can you give a little light on that? Because I think that one would be really good to highlight to the community. We reached out to a pregnancy expert and got all the information we could and tried to compile the most comprehensive kind of guide to training when looking to become pregnant, while pregnant, and post-pregnancy. We got a pregnant model to come out and film some exercises with us. Just We thought that would be another boon. Just being able to see someone in a similar state still exercising, still doing the right stuff. And she was great. It was such a pleasure to work with her. Within that blog post, you scroll all the way down and you click on one of the workouts that you want to do and it just auto loads into your FitBot app. And then from there, if you like it, you can save it and have it loaded up and reprogrammed to your settings whenever you like. So huge thing, always looking to progress on that. So that was a really big win for us and definitely something we wanted to make available in the app. Do you want to tell folks how they can ask the trainers a question? It's just trainer at fitbod.me. Your message will come to either myself or JP and whatever one we feel is like the better expert at answering that, whether it be settings, whether it be programming, whether it be just general information, we'll gladly take it. And typically we like to get back to any of the questions we receive within the 72 hours. Fantastic. Well, JP, Jesse, thanks once again. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thanks to our listeners. Check out the show notes at fitbod.me slash podcast for all the details from this episode. Download the FitBod app from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Use the promo code BUILT for a 14-day free trial. We'd love to hear from you. Leave us a comment and a rating on your favorite podcast network. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.